We uh, thank you so much for this day, and uh, thank you, Lord, always for an opportunity to bring your word, and I pray for your anointing to fall upon uh, this message that um, would you have for us today, uh, that our hearts will be open to receive it, I pray, and and receive it in a way that would bring you glory and honor, and and uh, I just pray that you use me, uh, that you anoint me to uh, bring uh, your word uh, as it unfolds before us literally um, uh, this morning. And I praise and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to share with my brother Drew and other, I think this Drew's the only one that knows this, that uh, uh, about quarter to eight this morning, God had me change course. And uh, that's always exciting when you have no idea where you're supposed to go with this. So immediately I went into prayer, and uh, I have an outline here that, uh, thank the Lord for an outline, because that's how he wired me. So, you know, I work out of outlines that keep my thoughts kind of where they need to be, whether they're good ones to you or not. They're still the thoughts God gives me. So what I'm giving you this morning, I'm off the hook. Okay? I'm off the hook. So if you have any problems with the message, then you be in prayer and you take it to God because I'm out of this. And so he gave me an outline. I don't know where it's going to go, but uh, I'm going to start by God gave me a theme, and the theme is a storm is brewing. And... uh, And that's kind of been on my heart a little bit this past uh, few weeks, that a storm is brewing. And so I want to, if I'm going to follow my little outline, uh, my first thought would be turbulence. And I want all of us to go back, you to go back the time when you were just growing up with your parents or whatever. For some of you, to be on your age, some of you were born in the 80s, grew up in the 80s, some 90s, born 90s here, probably. Uh, and then, you know, I'm not really trying to figure out your ages or whatever, but then you have these generations come and they go. And I want you to think about when you were growing up, your generation, and how you viewed life and the realities of your era. I want you to think about because in 2022, you know, if you just were, if you grew up in the 80s and you came back to this and you left and you came back to this planet in 2022, you'd see a different world, entirely different world. Values, everything is different. I can only go to my growing up, which is Well, probably here. Yeah, I'm the oldest. Uh, My, my, really, my grown-up was probably the age of the innocence. You know, you just worried about your Fonzie haircuts. You worried about wearing real Levi's if if you're a guy to school, you know. Uh, You had, it it was a simple life. There wasn't a lot of these issues that social issues we're going through today. Yes, we had the civil rights and that, 
but there was a respect for God across our land. There was a respect for churches. There was a respect for opinions. And there was nothing wrong with debate. Uh, debate's always a good thing. But as I respect your opinion. And you would respect my opinion. That's how I was brought up. You know, not to say we didn't argue, disagree. Of course we did. And we also grew up of respecting our government and our government leaders, even though we questioned sometimes what they were up to. You know, back in my day, uh, you know, President Kennedy was assassinated, and a lot of stuff that was happening in the White House, the public never was aware of. That never would have happened today. If JFK were president today, it would be a, a lot of interesting uh, news talk shows talking about situations there. And we valued human life. And if, in my day, if a, a girl accidentally got pregnant, the question never was abortion. It was always, well, mom and dad are going to send her away. She's still in high school to have the baby, and they put the baby up for adoption, usually. That was the conversation. That was it. I wasn't talking about abortion and women's rights. Now, part of this is political. I don't want it to be. You know, I was taught that you keep the politics, politics out of the pulpit. But in today's world, that's almost impossible to do in some way, shape, or form. So what I have to say, what God's giving me, you bring it up to God. He's using me, but I don't mean to offend but we need to wake up. And Christian church, not only this church, but all churches, we need to wake up because a storm is coming. And we're feeling it right now. We're in the boat. And boy, we're being tossed this way and that way, this way and that way of indifference. Today in, in this modern world, so many churches, not us and, and certainly not conservative churches, but they view Christianity through the lens of the culture. It's all about the culture. And many Christians today, unlike your day or my day, would say, as a Christian, Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life. Many will say that today, but then they say, well, you're Muslim? Okay, then be true to your faith. To your God. I love when people say today, well, well, worship your God. Hello, what does that mean? There's only one God. It's Jesus. One Savior, Jesus. It's not worshiping multi-gods or whatever. We are not, we should not be a pluralistic theology or country, but, that, but that's what we are. We are pluralistic. Everything goes as long as you, you know, you believe in it, everything goes. That wasn't me. That's not how I was brought up. And that doesn't seem to be the, uh, the truth of the Bible that I read. 
Jesus is the only way. Amen? So we're in the stormy winds today. This past week was a great day for conservative uh, Christians across our land. Roe v. Wade was overturned, overruled by the Supreme Court. And Satan's gotten a hold of that. And I, I'll be very honest with you. There's so many lunatics out there. And they're not, it's, it's almost like you can see how Satan is working in people because you're thinking to yourself, how can smart, intelligent people be thinking the way they think? Now, I grew up on Westerns. And always in a Western movie, you had the mob rule. You know, you had the guy who was in jail. You had the sheriff who was protecting the guy in the jail until he had the trial or whatever. And, the, and somebody in the, in the crowd starts stirring them up and say, let's hang them, let's hang them, let's hang them. So the mob would come without thinking. They'd just follow this leader up to the jailhouse, and the sheriff would have to hold them off. Isn't that what's happening today? We have people, uh, leaders, that are just stirring things up and are giving us half-truths. My goodness, if people, I'm, I'm appalled. I tell you, I'm appalled about how you get some uh, people, they do the questions on the street, they just at random, they ask people questions, basic questions, you know, and how I can't believe, I'm using, I know, harsh words, but I can't believe how stupid people are today. It's the only way I can say it. They, they don't know the name of it, maybe a vice president of recent years or whatever. I, you can't be that ignorant. You can't be. But that's what we're seeing. So therefore, you know, that now we're talking about all kinds of rights that being taken away because of the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. What have they done? What have they done? You have progressives that are going after the Supreme Court justices. Can you imagine if you're one of those younger justices and you have a family with the two of them do that I know of, have kids, what their kids are going through? Simply because they're trying to do their job and interpret the Constitution correctly all to do. And we have a president that's even questioning that. He's the president. Shame on him. Shame on him. Shame on every politician that has turned this thing around and made it, and, and they're trying to make it something that it isn't. What is it? What is Roe v. Wade? And basically, what's it say? The Supreme Court says, we're going to give it right back to the states. And they're all going to make their decisions on this abortion issue. For those of us that want abortion totally abolished, there's good things in it. <clears throat> but right now, this, the Constitution says that if you're from Illinois, then you can do what Illinois wants to do. It's a liberal state, so abortion is pretty much wide open. If you're in Missouri, Tennessee, or whatever, it's going to be different. And then I heard this morning, now I'm fired up. I heard this morning, it really ticked me off. Now we have companies, some companies are reimbursing people for travel costs to have an abortion. 
Don't you just want to take your shoe and throw it at your flat screen TV sometimes? And then, you know, the storm is brewing because we're here, but you know, a lot of churches, or some churches, I should say, they're being persecuted right now over this abortion issue. That storm is not going to stay in one area. That storm is brewing. It's going to, go, it's going to spread through all different areas. In 1977, in my home church, they held a special meeting in Geneva, Illinois. And that meeting was over ordaining homosexuals. That meeting was only conversation, discussion. That's what Presbyterians do. They say, you have a perspective, you have a perspective, you can just share it, and we're just going to share ideas. I told Jan, back then, I went, and I went to listen to what's going on. I said, they just kicked open the door. I'm just saying, they kicked open the door. The door has not only been kicked open today, but it's a floodgate. This is just the beginning. You know, I, are we praying for revival? Of course we are. But on the other hand, God is saying, be realistic. Don't make it more than what it is. Just be realistic and look at what's going on today. Isn't that not what the prophets did in the Old Testament? They said, look at what's going on today. Look what you're doing today. You moved away from God to other gods. You moved away. So they were said, in the moment, yeah, they prophesied about other things, but at the end of the day, it was, where is your heart? Where is your heart? They lost their heart for God. Today, as a, as a society, we have lost our heart for God in the United States. And, part, and that's part of the church has lost their heart for God. Evangelicals, Charismatics, Pentecostals, speak up. God wants your voice to be heard today, and you will be persecuted. Make no mistake about that, but don't hold back. Speak your mind. My wife has been persecuted for speaking out against abortion with some of her close friends. And some literally turned against her and called her a liar. My wife is many things. She's not a liar. She's not a liar. I'm going to share this with you, if I may. I ran across this in my panic moment. I panic and you know, soon. God, what do I do? What do you want me to say? And he led me to this article. And this article deals with... Uh, Andrew Bernson, you ever heard of him? He was a missionary. He was a missionary in Turkey. And he was imprisoned for two years in Turkey because of what? His Christian faith. I just want to share a little bit of this story. May I do that? I normally don't do this, but this, to me, really spoke to me. So I figured if it spoke to me, God is telling me something. And I quote, he said, I thought of myself as relatively tough missionary. We had faced 
threats before. I'd even been shot at, at once, but I was not prepared for what I experienced in prison. It was much more difficult than I imagined it would be. And I almost didn't make it through. Persecution almost knocked me out. Many Christians do not think this can happen in the United States, but it can. Followers of Jesus throughout history and in countries around the world have experienced persecution. In fact, our experience of every little persecution up to now is the exception. I think everyone can see that our society has changed significantly in the last generation or two. The commanding heights of our culture, the corporate world, big tech, arts, media, entertainment, professional sports, schools and universities, government bureaucracy are mostly populated by people who do not honor God. In fact, many openly defy him. These are the people who control the centers of power and influence. They have the platforms to, to amplify their voices and shape public opinion. And they're increasingly hostile to those who identify clearly with Jesus and his teachings. People hate you. Some people hate you, Christian, for what you stand for. They say that you're near-minded. You're a hypocrite. And and so many other things. Now, he says, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not thinking of this as an issue of right versus left, but rather followers of Jesus on on the one hand and and on the other, those who are hostile to to, uh, followers of Jesus. There's a wedge today. And the voice in that wedge is speaking loud and clear. You know, did not Joshua said many thousands of years ago, you better make a stand. Who are you going to stand for? Who is it? Is it for God or not? As for me and my household, he said, we are going to what? We're going to stand for the Lord. We are called to stand for him today. We're here today to be encouraged in the faith. You get it probably in your workplace. I don't know. You know, I'm a pastor, so my workplace is safe in this, that sense because I'm about Jesus, so I'm safe. But some of you aren't with persecution and so on and so forth. It's here, and it's not going to change. The old days are gone. I can't live back in the 60s. Those those days are gone. That's a, that's a, a distant, distant memory. We were so naive, and so are you when you were, at, you were in your teenage years or whatever. But, but, but at that point, the world started to open up more and more with these social issues coming up and questioning the faith. I've said it so many times. Many churches are questioning the faith. <coughs> no? Take my word for it. 
I was a, again, I was a Presbyterian pastor for 15 years. That's mainline church. And I can tell you, their theology is a world of different, different between what we believe here and what they believe. They're in rituals. You know God through the rituals. That does not, repentance is not really an option. You don't need to repent. Why? Because Jesus died for you. See, died for the world, universal salvation. So therefore, Jesus died for the world, so you don't have to repent. He died for you. But if you're a Scientology, if you're a Muslim, if you're, if you're a Mormon or whatever, that's okay too, as long as you are in your faith. That's fine. Isn't this exciting? You know, I, when I first became a Christian, I had a real hard time with the Old Testament. I always just wanted the New Testament. I wanted the good stuff about Jesus, salvation, and, and, and the parables and what have you. But I learned many years ago that, boy, the Old Testament is just kind. It just feeds right into the New, doesn't it? And it sets up the depravity of humanity, which we are. You can't look through the Old Testament books without coming across the prophet who's on the Israelites, on Israel, the Jews, for their disobedience. It's a theme that is everywhere. You can't miss it. I believe that's a reminder for us today. We are in it. We are like in the Old Testament. That's where we are. We are in the Old Testament. <clears throat> we have people, pastors, <clears throat> excuse me, prophets, <clears throat> that are speaking for Jesus, and people are going like this, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. That is, that is old-fashioned stuff. You know, that is old, no, that, that, that's not for now, that's old-fashioned. Did not Jesus say that he was timeless? God is timeless. We have drifted so far, we as a nation. And I believe God has given this message to us today as part of our wake-up call in our society. It is not easy. Being a Christian is not easy. Somebody comes to me and says, well, that's a crutch. I said, you got to be, you're a lunatic. Being a Christian is difficult because we are swimming upstream in a world that does not believe the way we believe. Well, Drew, aren't you glad your family came this morning? You hear this powerful message. But it's a message from God. And I want to share with you <clears throat> from Hosea. We know the story. Most of us do, I think. In Gomer. And I'm in chapter 6. And I prayed this morning. I said, God, you better give me a message. You better give me a word. I got to have something going. And he said, go to Hosea 6. And this chapter speaks about Israel being unrepentant. And 
I think we need ammunition to take from here into the world and conviction that I believe in so many ways this chapter applies to us. I'm going to read every verse because I think it's so important. And then I'll make a, a brief comment, as the Lord leads says when we're done. Chap- uh, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but, we will bind, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? Of course, that's referring to uh, northern Israel, the ten, you know, the, the, the ten tribes, Ephraim being the largest. And what can I do with you, Judah? Of course, he's referring to the southern kingdom, with Judah being the largest uh, tribe. Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that, that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my, with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgment is to go forth like the sun, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Key verse. As at Adam they had they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of evildoers, stained with footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a victim, so do bands of priests. Catch that? Bands of priests. They were corrupting the people. They murder on the road to Shechem, carrying out their wicked schemes. I've seen a horrific thing in Israel. There Ephraim is given to prostitution. Israel is defiled. And also for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. I'm going to stop there. They were too religious. They thought, you know, they were giving God ritual, superficial faith, thinking that that would, that would do it. That would give them in with God. That would give them some, hey, we're doing, we're, we're doing all the right things. We're doing all the ceremonies, so things must be good. Things must be right. But what was going, in here, what was going on here was their hearts weren't right with God. That's the key. Our hearts must be right with God. Today, as a country, our hearts aren't right with God. Period. That's where, we, that's where we're at. And do you think for one moment that God's going to continue allowing this nation to go down the path that it's going? I don't believe it. I don't believe. Go to Thessalonians. Go to you. Start doing end time prophecy or whatever. I believe that we're God. God is giving us a huge wake up call. A huge wake up call.
Where are we, church? I know this is so bad. I know you say, oh, golly, you know. Hey, the priest, they were giving them flowery sermons. You know, everything's fine, everything's dandy, whatever, just do your ritual. That's not, that's not reality. Young people, a fact of life is we are a mess. We are in a mess. A spiritual spiral downward is where we are because that's where leaders have taken us. But we do know this. That, that every book in the Old Testament, every prophet, at the end of the day, we knew that God is in control. God is in control, but he's waiting for us. He's waiting for our hearts to be right with him. I can't do anything in ministry if my heart is not right with Jesus. Same with you. If your heart isn't right with Jesus, you're going to stumble. And you're going to flounder. And you're going to get caught up in bad stuff and be influenced by the mob that tells you something else. So how does that fit the abortion issue? I, I'm safe. I can, I can share my thoughts and pretty much all of you are going to be, agree with me. But they need to be shared, and the truths need to be told. I had a 16-year-old niece who was just living a great high school life. She was a cheerleader. She was popular. She was everything probably a 16-year-old would want from the world. One night she was raped by a stranger, a man. She became pregnant. It devastated, obviously, her and my, my brother and sister-in-law. They were in a church in Peoria, and they went to their church, and they stood up. My brother shared his agony over what happened, grief for his daughter. They didn't respond. Not one responded. Not even the pastor. Reality one, all churches aren't in Christ. All pastors aren't in Christ. All those priests back in Hosea, they weren't in in God. They were corrupt. They were in it for themselves. Let's just preach a sermon that's going to make you feel comfortable. And keep you, you know, putting money in the offering plate to pay for my salary, whatever, my new car, whatever it is. Doesn't that, that just stinks, doesn't it? That just, to me, it just... I want to vomit that right out of my mouth. But I know it to be true. I know that is reality. And you do too. One of our dear Christian friends, before Christ, she had an abortion. I shared this with you, both of them, probably both these stories once upon a time. 
But to this day, she knows that she's forgiven. She's in Christ. But she can't forget it. She can't forget what she had done. That's a life. When does life start for you? I even, uh, Jan being a nurse in the medical field, I said, okay, give me, a, I know when life starts, but you better give me a, a up to speed so I give them right information. When does life start? What does the Bible say? I'm being very general here, but you had Abraham, not Abraham, you had Adam, right? Then who came along? Eve. Okay. So you had Adam, you had Eve. What did they do? Okay, hmm. They did the hmm. Right, they did the hmm. And a baby was created, correct? Mom and dads, people get married. I just married my granddaughter, you know? And one day they want to have children. That only happens one way. But the moment it happens, that life begins. It begins. It's not after 15 weeks or six weeks. It begins. That's God ordained. That's a human life. Who are we to take that life? We do not have that right to do that. Do we? We don't. I think there's sometimes there's justifiable anger. And this really gets me angry. When I see what's going on in our world, when I see the violence, when I see, you know, uh, people that just because they don't agree with one another, one side wants to get violent, wants to silence you or me. I close with this. I don't know about you. I don't know where your heart is totally. But as God is my witness, I'm going to stand for Jesus. That's part three. Sorry. I know. See, nothing's perfect. I'm not perfect right now. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm going to stand on his word, and I'm going to even... If somebody walks into that, into this church and protests, I'm going to stand for Jesus. I can only speak for myself. But I hope and pray that you stand for Jesus as well. Regardless of the cost. Did not Jesus say, count the cost? To follow him, you must count the cost. Our persecution for us we're safe. We're, we're preaching. I'm preaching against abortion or whatever. And we're safe. We can walk out of here. That's cool. But you know something? That wave is coming and is spreading fur all across our land. It's going to be more difficult to make a stand for Jesus. My wife knows that for a fact. God's not giving me anything else. So I must assume that we're going to be done. Um, 
I want us to finish. I want us to, as we sing together, I, I want us, I want, I, I know for me, I want to pour up my heart. I want my heart to be open to, to the words. I want my heart, my spirit to be open to receive all that God wants me to have. I want my heart to be open to know that I'm a sinner too. They're not just the bad people. We are all sinners. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for revival because God loves them. Doesn't that break your heart to know that God loves the unlovable? The ones that I called lunatics? God loves them. He loves the lunatics. He loves me, and I can be a lunatic sometimes. And he loves you. God has called us. These, every Sunday we call it and we sing and we praise Jesus. We hear a message about the Bible and stories of the Bible, and we talk about Jesus. There's a reason for all of that to make us stronger. As we come against those storms, those winds of life, those dark clouds, we need to be strong in Him. We need to reinforce His truths. Don't we? I'm at. I need that myself. We, let's pray. I'm going to pray that God will really stir us up. Stir us up. I can't. I got, I got an image. I'm going to close with this. Then I'm, I'm done. When I was a Presbyterian pastor, we baptized infants. I know. You can throw something at me and you know, heretic or whatever. And it was important to the people. I always qualified that, but and some of you know, I'm getting back to babies in the womb. I was called, we had a, a couple in our church, a young couple, and they were excited because she was pregnant and they were going to have their baby. And I was called in an emergency at the hospital because the baby was stillborn. And the parents wanted me to baptize the baby. I did not give them some theological jargon of why that's not right. So I said, I will baptize the baby. I can't remember the baby's name. I really can't. But this, this is what I do remember. We were in one room. I was with the parents and myself. I prayed with them. They were crying. And, and there was just a lot of emotion going on that particular time. I said, I will baptize your baby. The baby was in the room, adjoining room. And so the nurse came in and she called me into that room. I baptized that baby. That baby was the size of a tablespoon. Head, feet, 
limbs all by. I baptized that baby in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Gracious Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you love your people. You love us warts and all. Lord, none of us here are perfect. But Lord, help us always to open our hearts to you to receive repentance when we need to repent, to reach out to a brother or sister, those who are walking down, the mob, those who are walking down the road, that wrong road, Lord. Help us to pray for them, Lord, because you love them. Help us to pray for their repentance. Pray that somehow, Jesus, you will also open up their hearts to know you, to receive your love, your grace, your mercy, and to demonstrate that to others. Oh, God, I pray for Roe v. Wade. I pray, Lord, what's happening in our country. I pray that, Jesus, somehow there'll be a revelation of your truth will just touch our leaders, touch the grassroots people, everyone, Lord, that we can all rejoice, rejoice in life, rejoice for life. Thank you, Jesus that you'll never leave us, nor will you, you forsake us as we continue to seek you, seek your presence through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.